0: go for it i am your host paul gator for the next hour we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it i want all your ideas all your opinions and all your beliefs and of course as always you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion you have an opinion The number to call six four six seven two seven three zero seven zero that's 646-727-3070. Follow us on Twitter, at GoForItGant. And while you're there, at GoForItGant on Twitter, give us a follow. We talk sports and have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Seahawks offensive lineman, Gary Gilliam. Seahawks now 3-1 and at this point of the season, playing some big-time football. Dominate the 49ers the week before, going to New York and dominate the New York Jets and Adam Seahawks are flying high, three and one, tied with the Rams on top of the NMC West. So we're gonna talk to Gary Gilliam about that. So Gary Gilliam will be joining us today here on the show. So a lot to get to, a lot to talk, talk about. NBA preseason started, baseball playoffs are underway, NFL season, hot and heavy. It, it's a great time in, in sports, great time in sports. And you look at, I'm looking at right now, Indians, David Price and his, uh, you know, his uh, postseason woes. I mean, he's awful in the postseason. I mean, he stinks in the postseason. I mean, he's a big time all world pitcher in the regular season. Soon as it hits October, it's done deal for David Price. He stinks. Knocked out in the fourth inning. And now his team is down 6 0. Bottom of the 6 to the Cleveland Indians. And this team is already down 1 0 in this series. So that's a it's a tough situation now for the Boston Red Sox. Probably going to lose this game. Going, going to have to go back to Boston down 2 0. Here's the thing. This Red Sox team many moons ago came back from 3-0. It's different cast of characters. Big Poppy's still there, but mostly different cast of characters. But again, I'm not counting, especially in baseball. I'm not counting this this Red Sox team out, but it's not a good situation. It's not a good situation. But David Price. All worlds in the regular season, just horrible bat in the postseason. Like a Clayton Kershaw, who's usually good in the regular season, postseason, he's crap. Not crap, but he's not. the same guy. And they got Toronto now up 2-0. They blasted Cole Hamels in game one, win game two. Now they're up two games to nothing, going back to Toronto. And that's the team that won the wild card game. And so you win that wild card game now, you got that flow, you got that energy going, you're on a roll. And now they're moved on to that next – well, they're moved on to the ALDS up 2-0 at this point and have an opportunity now to close it out back at Toronto. Good situation. Two – got three games now to get one. That's a pretty good situation to be in. But anyway – So you got the baseball playoff rolling on, and I'm gonna talk in a in a few minutes about how we can fix that one game wild card game. We we gotta fix it. I mean, it's exciting, it's fun, it's great, but we gotta fix it. Baseball is not about one game, but we'll fix it. We'll talk about it. So we'll we'll get to that. We got a whole bunch to get to. Short time to get there. You we gotta get to Odell Beckham Jr. and him and. You know, his emotions, Whitney Houston-like, Carl Thomas-like, gets so emotional. I get so emotional, baby. I mean, he gets so emotional. He gets so emotional, man. He's he's temperamental. And and guys are coming at him. You know, you you go out there and catch a ball one hand, all that other good stuff, putting on a show, whipping and Nene, and all that stuff, guys are going to come at you. They're going to come at you hard especially if they see a little fragility when it comes to O, D, B, Jack, although Beckham Jr. But anyway, let's let's start the NFL. Let's look at what we saw last night. And and last night, kind of ho-hum, not a very exciting football game, but a game that, that I look back on and I look at the San Francisco 49ers, First and foremost, I'm a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan. And, you know, I watch my Eagles all the time. And I watched them during the three years with Chip Kelly. Some good moments in the beginning and some bad moments at the end. But the more I watch Chip Kelly, and granted, in his defense, he's never had the quarterback. He's never had that guy. He's never had his guy. He's never had a big-time quarterback. Had Michael Vick. One, Yeah, Michael Vick wasn't great. Had Nick Foles, who had that tremendous season, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. Foles comes back the next year. Not so great, not so hot. Ultimately, he gets hurt. Mark Sanchez comes in, couple you know, some high moments here, high moments there. But Mark Sanchez, you give it and you take it away. That's Mark Sanchez. He giveth and he taketh away. So he gave and he taketh away. And that's what happens when you talk about a Mark Sanchez. You what he gives, he takes away. So he'll give you $5 and he'll take it right back. Because that's just what he is. Interception machine. few good plays and a lot of bad plays when it comes to Mark Sanchez. But anyway, let's go back to the Cardinals and the 49ers. I just watched this 49ers team, and again, they don't have their quarterback. And the and, and fairness of chip. But at, at this point, and I, you gotta put Colin Kaepernick in there. I know he has an injury guarantee as well. So, you know, maybe that might have something to do with it. I don't know. But I, I just look at this football team, this 49er team with uh, Blaine Gabbard as their quarterback. And I'm like, dude, what is he doing there? And, and then I'm watching the football game. I'm like, this Chip Kelly system is just, meh. I mean, it's just, it, it's not exciting like it was when I first saw it. The the allure has worn off. I think it's time for Chip Kelly to take his tail back to college. I mean, I think we've seen enough of his system to realize that it's not going to win in the National Football League. And I'll I'll say it one more time. Granny hasn't had his quarterback. But even if he had his quarterback, you, you got your defense on the field for, for all those plays. I mean, your last in time of possession, your defense is on the field for all these plays. All these plays. And, you know, maybe on some level, a little bit, I may have bought into the Chip Kelly thought that, you know, it's not about time and possession. It's not about those things. It's not about it. It's not that that's not really all that important and so on and so forth. But, I mean, when you're when, when I watched the Eagles defense the past two seasons, I mean, they wore down at the end. They wore down at the end. They're just on the field, too many plays, too many minutes. And it's just taxing, man. You know, it just beats your defense up. And, and it takes years, all players' lives, So they're, you know, their career. And if I'm like, if I'm, if I'm a defensive player, I'm like, dude, I don't want to be a part of this system. Now, if it's all, as an offensive player, sure, most definitely want to be a part of this system because this system gives you an opportunity to put up numbers. I mean, Macklin, career-high numbers. Deshaun Jackson career-high numbers. Jeremy Curley's off to a pretty decent start, with for the San Francisco 49ers. So this often does give you an opportunity to have some success, to put up some numbers. It does. Now, Macklin put his numbers up early in the system, before the system may have gotten figured out. Deshaun Jackson put numbers up early in the system, maybe before the system has gotten figured out. But it seemed like that third year, whatever that Chip Kelly system was figured out, and I think it's figured out. And defensive coordinators, just give them a moment, give them some time, let them look it over, let them go into the lab and figure this whole thing out. And that's what they've done. They went to the lab and they figured this whole Chip Kelly offense out. So now they got to figure it figured out. And we talked to so much talk in Philadelphia about the predictability of the plays and, and guys saying, you know, and, and teams saying, hey, I know what's coming up, there, there's not much variation, there's not much predictability, I mean, so on and so forth. You heard it all. You heard it all. But I will say this. When Chip Kelly initially came to Philadelphia, he had a big-time home run hitting wide receiver into Deshaun Jackson. He had a big-time back at LeSean McCoy. He had a solid offensive line. It was a solid football team. And then that second, you know, second year was was decent. Then he broke it down. You know, first of Deshaun after year one. Then was Macklin McCoy after year two. Evan Mathis as well. So all your playmakers, you pretty much, you stripped the team down of all your playmakers. And again, again, that's Chip Kelly, the GM. But... You know when he when he had all that power, he just lost all his weapons. He gave all his weapons away, gave away McCoy, gave away. Well, he got Kiko Alonso, but basically he gave away LeSean McCoy. You know, didn't resign Jeremy Macklin. gave away Deshaun Jackson, just flat out released him. So I'm like this. First and foremost, Colin Kaepernick. Needs to be starting for the San Francisco 49ers, and, and you might understand the level of reluctance because of the possibilities of the injury guarantee that he does have. So, hypothetically, if he was, you know, to have a major injury, and you know, he that contract could be guaranteed for a bold load of money, it would be like 16 15 million dollars in 2017. So, you know, the San Francisco 49ers want no part of Colin Kaepernick after this year. They're done with him. And it seems like at this point, the only logical, the only logical, and the key word is logical. But the only logical decision at this point in time is to have Colin Kaepernick as the quarterback. I'm not saying it's going to make much of a difference because Colin Kaepernick has not been very good the last couple of seasons. So I'm not saying it's going to make that much of a difference. But what I am saying, as while, as while it may not make that much of a difference, I would like to believe that Colin Kaepernick better than Blaine Gabbard. I would like to believe that. Even if he's not, we have to look at the possibilities. Because Blaine Gabbard stinks. It's that simple. He stinks. He's a backup in this league. And you could argue maybe Colin Kaepernick is the same. Maybe. But the 49ers, I mean, they started out last season with an impressive Monday night victory. And it all went downhill. They started out this season with an impressive Monday Night Football victory. And now it's gone downhill. Blaine Gabbert, five touchdowns, six interceptions, under 60% completion percentage, not very good, has not been very good over the past few games. He is who he is. And he's a backup in this league. You're not doing bad if Blaine Gabbard is your backup. You're not doing bad at all. You are doing bad if Blaine Gabbard is your starter. You're doing bad if he's your starter because he's not getting it done. And and Chip Kelly pretty much kind of hinted at a possible move. He said he's going to look at everything. He said he's going to assess everything. And he said he's going to figure it all out but I think I might've figured it out at this point. I think his system is not a system that's conducive to winning in the national football league. It's just anytime in life you deal with extremes, I got to be leery of an individual who deals in extremes. Let's go to Paul Westhead, you know, back in, you know, with the Loyola, Loyola Marymount days, Hank Gathers, Bo Kimball and those boys, the up and down you know, the quick pace, fast pace, fast, quick in a hurry it'll get you to a certain point but it's not going to win you a championship those extreme it's just extreme and essentially what it becomes is extremely a mess you're out of whack when you're doing things excessively when you're living in excess you're not balance so you're out of balance you're out of alignment and then you're all messed up so you want to go extremely fast extremely quick extremely in a hurry but it ends up being an extreme mess so again at this point i i'm not saying colin kaepernick is the answer because i'm not sure he is. But I would like to think he's a better option than Blaine Gabbard. I would like to think he's better than Blaine Gabbard. I mean, if you just look at career, I mean, Colin Kaepernick was a couple plays away for possibly winning a Super Bowl, possibly winning a bowl, possibly winning a championship. That close. But now it seems like he's that far at this point. As close as he was then, he's as far as – he's very far now. So, it's going to be interesting to see what San Francisco do does in this situation. But I would think in this particular situation, it's kind of a no-brainer. And that no – it's it's basically you have to go with Colin Kaepernick at this point in time. You, you can't – go in any other direction but Colin Kaepernick. Got to go. Just look around this league now, the National Football League. Odell Beckham Jr. First and foremost, he was fined 24K on sportsmanlike conduct penalty. You know, him and Xavier Rhodes going at it, you know, taunting each other and things of that nature. And first and foremost, Odell Beckham, he's an emotional guy. Very emotional guy. He's a young guy, an emotional guy. And he wears his emotions on his sleeve. I mean, you can see his emotion. It's 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 out there. It's very evident, it's very obvious. Big time talent, obviously. Put up big time numbers last season. His numbers aren't awful this year. No touchdowns. Hasn't gotten to the end zone. But he's he's still a big time player. Big time player. I mean. The numbers speak for themselves. Year one, 1,300 yards, 1,305 yards, 12 touchdowns. Year two, 96 catches, 1,450 yards, 13 touchdowns. So the, the numbers are eye-popping. He's a big-time wide receiver. He's a big-time player, big-time talent. He's big-time. and There's no getting around that. But it seems like at this point he's, he's big-time emotional. He's a big-time emotional mess. I mean, he just can't control himself. And people are coming at him. They're coming at him hard. And it's as they should. I mean, they're coming at this dude hard, taunting him, getting in his face, trying to get into his head. And that's what they do in football. You always want to try to get that competitive advantage and get get into that guy's head, get into your opponent's head, get into your opponent's head and stay there. And that's what people are doing. Whether it's Josh Norman, whether it's Xavier Rhodes, this man has turned into an emotional mess. He needs to learn how to control himself. And the Giants need to get him, you know, they need to get to wrap him up a little bit, you know, and, and try to. Here's the thing, you don't want to, you almost I, I think that's a part of what makes him great, his, his emotional. Just him being emotional the way he is and, and being outward like that, you know, being demonstrative. I, I think those are the things that help Odell Beckham become successful. I mean, those are the things that, that gets him going and keeps him right. That's what helps him. You know, those talking, having that edge, you know, allowing him to be himself. And I remember I was watching a football life with Chad Johnson and he said, we went to new England. He just wasn't himself. And, and it just, and then him not being himself, he lost a little bit and was, was not as effective. And you look at when he was in Cincinnati, you look at it when he wasn't his heyday. when Chad Johnson was Chad Johnson, Chad Johnson was doing all those crazy things, all those lovely, funny dances. You know, the Hall of Fame coat and all these annex and you know letters to corners and things of that nature. When he was flowing, when Chad Johnson was flowing, he was doing all the extra stuff. That's what made Chad Johnson effective. That's what made Chad Johnson a big time performer. That's what made Chad Johnson a big time receiver. And I think the 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 the, the extra stuff with El Beckham Jr., the dancing when obviously you dancing like that, you prancing, you, you do one- hand catches and, and pregame and things of that nature. Guys are looking and guys are going to come. And guys are going to want to come at you. Hard. And that's what we're seeing. Guys are going to try to continue to come after this dude. They're going to see if they can get into his head. They're going to try and continue to tr- get into this man's head. If they can, if, if, He's going to let them. They're going to try to get in and stay. It's one thing to get in, it's another to stay. It seems like Odell Beckham is letting them get in and he's letting them stay, letting them make a home in his head. But he's got he's to gotta find a way to keep his emotional edge, but at the same time, you know. Keep it where he's not costing his team yardage or, or, or he's not, you know, sitting out in football games like he, you know, like he did last year with the Josh Norman situation, which cost him a game. You don't want to cost your team, you're costing your team wins by, you know, costing them yardage with these unsportsmanlike penalties. I mean, you've had six on conduct, unnecessary roughness, or taunting penalties since 2004. This is the third time in four games where you were fined on the field behavior. And I will say this, and I'm going to get off of this for, for now, for good, but I will say this, Odell Beckham has to find a way, and I think the Giants have to find a way to keep him in check, but at the same time, and he's 23 and he's got to figure it out. He's young, but at the same time, they got to find a way, keep it in check, but still keep it at a place where Odell Beckham is comfortable and where he's effective. Because I think he needs to be like this. I think he needs. He's got to stay. He's got to be on the edge. He's got to stay on the edge, but he's got to find a way to stay on that edge and not jump off that edge. And recently, and unfortunately, he's been jumping off that edge. But I, I want to go to the NFL at this point and you know, all these fines for dancing, penalties, and things of that nature. You don't know exactly what is a fine. You don't know what is allowable. And it, it's it's starting, you know, it, it's just a lot of great area. Cause you just don't know. I mean, do you know you don't know what a catch is? It's just too many I don't know's in the National Football League. Do you know what a catch is? No. I mean, do you really know what, what constitutes a personal foul or roughing the quarterback? I mean, obviously a hit to, head, hit to the head is going to cost you. But other than that, it gets a little tricky. You see plays and you're like, what else is this guy supposed to do? Like how else are they supposed to hit these guys? I mean, the whole notion of defensive receiver, I get it and I understand it on some level. But sometimes the receiver, you know, based off of how they lower their head or their – or contort their body, make themselves defenseless. So, what are you supposed to do? Just let them catch it, or attempt to catch it? I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. But it's so much gray area in the National Football League. But when it comes to the dancing, I mean, it's you know, the NFL has always been known as a no fun league, no fun league. You know, you know, stopping the group celebrations. Who could forget the eighties? Excuse me. Who could who could remember? In the 80s, where you had the, the fun bunch with the Redskins, all those boys together, and you know, have that group high five, or even the, uh, the Rams with the bob and weave and everything. I mean, it's just good times, man. It's football's an emotional game, and guys got to be able to express themselves after making big plays, man. I'm not saying taunting and all that, I get that, and I understand that, but I'm talking about in terms of you know, having a nice, fun celebration. I mean, you know, uh, Antonio Brown twerking isn't really that big of a deal. He, I mean, it's just it's just innocent fun, innocent dance, just having a good time. Man, he scored a touchdown. Hard to score a touchdown in the National Football League. It's hard. It ain't easy. I know Antonio Brown makes it look easy, but it ain't easy. It's hard. So when you when you work. As hard as an Antonio Brown to get into the end zone. You want to be able to enjoy it. You want to be able to, to, to have a, a to love it, man, to celebrate it. So if that means a twerk, let them twerk. Let them twerk. If that means letting them twerk, let them twerk. Twerk, 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 twerk. Don't twerk, man. Come on. All in good fun. All in good fun. All in good fun. Let let them twerk. And so, I don't know, man. It's just, just one of the things sometimes you you hate about football, man. It just, it's just, it's it's just too. Sometimes it gets too corporate. It's just a game at the end of the day. It just. It's corporate. And so, I don't know. But hopefully, I mean, they can figure this out. And I mean, it's just stupid. I, I want to go back to the Colin Kaepernick, um, Blaine Gabbert situation. Um, apparently, according to reports, uh, the, the, the locker room, the San Francisco locker room is is, is kind of pushing for Christian Ponder. to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers. So, I don't know. And so, I would think Colin Kaepernick would be the guy. Fans were chanting, chanting his name, chanting his name, calling his name. And so, I don't know. So, we'll see. But, I mean, the 49ers need to do something. And they need to do something. Now, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Seattle Seahawks' offensive tackle, right tackle, Gary Gilliam. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison, your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. and The Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... It doesn't
1: mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean
0: anything. I was uh, trying to throw you. Know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist too, man.
1: <laughs>
0: Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you, you. You have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not (laughs) Rocky. That's called blooded. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. Go for it. Talking sports. Having fun doing it. Paul game here. As we do at this time, 646-727-3070 is the number. If, if you have an opinion, if you want to talk some sports and have fun doing it. So 646-727-3070. We're gonna bring in um a, a guy who's a, a, a reason, a part, you know, he's a reason that the Seattle Seahawks are three and one. Last week, that offensive line played very well against the New York Jets. You no, know, Russell Wilson limited with his knee situation, but the offensive line kept him protected, and, and Russell played good time, big time football for the Seattle Seahawks. Let's bring him in now. Offensive tackle for the Seattle Seahawks, Gary Gilliam. Gary, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. In- Gary on Sunday, you guys beat the Jets twenty-seven to seventeen. Russell Wilson was limited on Sunday, but he still threw for over three hundred yards, still had three touchdowns, and still found a way to get it done. How impressed were you with his performance?
1: You know, it just that's just rough. You know, that's what you expect from your top players. And, you know, he's so committed to the game and so committed to this team that you know nothing's going to keep him down. You know, if he has a chance to get out there and play and perform, he's going to do so. And you know, it's just what you expect from him.
0: For sure. Does, does anything bother that guy?
1: Uh, losing. <laughs> I say <laughs> losing would bother him. <laughs>
0: For sure. I mean, and, and but he came out, and he balled out, and he got it done. And one of the reasons he balled out and got it done was you guys on that offensive line. I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson was not 100%. New York Jets have a very good defensive line. Obviously, you guys had to dig a little deep to keep Russell protected in that game. Talk about the performance of the offensive line in that game.
1: Uh, you know, we used did our jobs, and that's, you know, to protect passing plays and try to make holes on run plays. And that's all we did. We kept it simple, had a very simple game plan, just go in there and win our one-on-one battles and let our playmakers make plays. For sure. And,
0: and the playmakers most definitely made plays in that particular game. Uh, Russell Wilson talked about this team being a complete team in the summer. Pete Carroll is excited about this football team. How does
1: Gary Gilliam view the Seattle Seahawks at this point in time, 3-1? and one? Uh, Well, we should be 4-0 in my opinion, but, you know, things happen. Um, but, I know, I think we're a very good team. I think we're uh, a lot further ahead in the beginning of the season, you know, with the team as long as I've been with them. Um, you know, we're together. There's a lot of confidence. The swagger is there on offense, defense, and special teams. So, I think, you know, just the beginning. And as long as, you know, we keep the team healthy and keep, you know, moving forward, I think we'll be fine. Is this the
0: most talented team you've been a part of?
1: Yeah, I would say so.
0: Okay, all right. And and so far, 3-1 is impressive. We're talking to Seahawks offensive lineman, Gary Gilliam. Let me ask you this. You did win week one, but it wasn't impressive. You lost in week two to the Rams. Did that loss to the Rams wake you guys up?
1: Uh, No, not necessarily. I mean, it's always a tough match when we go against the Rams. Uh, You know, it's a conference opponent and we see each other a lot and you know it's just one of those games everyone gets up for <clears throat> but um, you know I certain things happen in the game whether it's you know not converting one third down or you know not having a run game or a pass game or something like that it's not necessarily it was a wake up call it was good that it happened when it did but um, it's just not so much a wake up call it just brought notice to things that we should focus on a little bit more what is it with you
0: guys in the Rams
1: <laughs> I just you know one of those one of those teams one of those games is how it always is and Hi, how it always will be. It's a (laughs) dog fight.
0: We're talking to Seahawks offensive lineman Gary Gilliam. Gary, we look at the offensive line with the Seahawks. Has some struggles early, a lot of changes up front, a lot of different guys up front. But as a whole, are you happy with the performance of this offensive line after four games?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I'm happy with where we're at now and where we're going to go and where we, you know, just the way we progress as a unit um, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, it's the most talented that I've seen up front, you know, to a man since I've been here, I mean, I might be a little biased, but that's my opinion. Um, and I think we can be a really, really good group together and I think we will be and I think we are currently. So, uh, yeah, just looking up. And definitely big time performance against the Jets and that,
0: that's a big time defensive line in New York with the Jets. So big time performance by you guys. Garrett, you came in to this thing, you were supposed to be on the left side. Ultimately, move to the right side. Overall, are you happy with what you're doing at this point of the season?
1: Well, I mean, I'm starting on the special dog, so why wouldn't I would not be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very talented
0: football team. But uh, but are you happy with your play?
1: I, yeah, I mean, I'm not getting Russell killed, and my guys not making tackles. So, I mean, that's what my job is, right? <laughs> so I mean, I'm pretty happy with my performance, and I can get better, and I'll get a lot better. As for every person on our team. So let me ask you this. You played tight end in college, I mean, at
0: Penn State. Do you miss playing – do you miss catching that rock? Do you miss, you know, catching the football?
1: No, not really. I mean, it's like I do a ton of that anyway. And and in high school, uh, we were more of a run team. In college, my first part of college uh, with Joe Paterno, we were more of a run team. So, I mean, it's like I I was – Jimmy Graham of a football team, so it's not like it's anything to miss. Really, I don't mind not catching the football. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? I mean,
0: maybe, maybe you could, you know, be better than Jimmy Graham. No,
1: I I like I like doing what I do, and he does what he does very well. So I stay in my lane when it comes to that. (laughs) (laughs) So, how much of an adjustment was you? Was it for you
0: going from tight end to the offensive line?
1: Uh, It was more. Just more the physicality of it, you know. As a tight end, you you know you run out, do routes, you know, here and there, and uh, some of the guys you block on is bigger, as strong, as some of the guys that an offensive tap or an offensive guard or something blocks. So just the physicality, which is down after down after down. Um, that was probably the biggest adjustment. But uh, you know, besides that, not really. It's just the physicality.
0: Did you eating wise in terms of your eating habits and everything? Did Did you have to do things differently in order to bulk up?
1: Uh, no, this is, well, I, I made the switch my last year in college, and um, I was probably about 270 at the tight end at that point. And I was, I was like, eating, like, grilled chicken and salad and stuff, like, eating like I was on a diet just to stay at that weight, like my body wanted to get bigger. So once I finally made the switch, and you know, I just ate like I should have been eating, and, you know, I stacked on the weight pretty quickly. It wasn't too crazy.
0: Okay, all right. We're talking to Seahawks offensive lineman Gary Gilliam. Gary, I was reading somewhere, man, that um, you believe in aliens. I mean, <laughs> tell us about that.
1: Uh, it's not so much that I believe in aliens. It's just that I don't believe that this is the only place in the universe that has life on it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if you want to call those other things out there, aliens, so be it. But there's definitely microorganisms outside of this earth. For sure.
0: For sure. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> there's always the possibility.
1: They, they say there, okay. there might be some life on Mars. Uh, I Maybe. don't know if there is currently, but there might have been at some point. Right. Maybe where we came from. You never know. <laughs> you never know.
0: So, <laughs> your bye week now. How does Gary Gilliam spend his bye week? What does he do?
1: Uh, you know, I was going to try and get back home, um, but the more and more I thought about it, you know, it was more it was better for me just to stay in excuse me, in Seattle, and, you know, just do some recovery stuff, get a couple workouts in, stay around, keep football on my mind, um, you know, hang out with the family and friends I have in town. But, yeah, just, you know, just kind of kick back, relax, and recover, recuperate. That's about it. Definitely. I, I want to ask you this. You're an East
0: Coast boy, and, you know, you-, you went to college at Penn State. Obviously, you grew up in Pennsylvania. But you're out there in Seattle. How's the adjustment been for you? going from the East Coast to the West Coast?
1: Actually, not too bad. You know, growing up, a lot of people always told me I kind of had more of a West Coast vibe to my temperament. So, you know, I, just, I guess I just fit in more on the West Coast than I do on the East Coast. I'm more of a laid-back kind of guy. Just kind of go with okay. the flow.
0: You do have that West Coast
1: type of vibe in, in talking
0: to you. Kind of relaxed, laid-back, you know, just enjoying life. Going with the flow, yeah, like you said. Yeah, you got to, Yeah, you got to. You got to. You, you can't be you know high strung all the time man you gotta relax
1: New York <laughs> New Jersey you know all about it right
0: <laughs> for sure for sure it, it is it is very high strung and and I, I can understand that I can most definitely understand that before we get out of here now and talking about your football team three and one at this point won two straight games in dominating fashion can it get better for you guys have you guys hit your peak at this point in the season uh, can it get better for you guys? Will it get better?
1: Uh, you know, the the goal is always just to you know get a little bit better each day, and in doing that you get a little bit better each week and each game. And as the season goes on, you know we just stick to our fundamentals and you know, just continue to try to get better as a team, as a unit. And I think if we do that, um, there's no you know there's no such thing as peak. You want to peak at the high le- at the highest level, which would be at the Super Bowl. So you know, don't peak at some point in the season. It's just a constant, you know, just improvement as the entire team you know goes through the season. Overall, is the swagger back? I'd say so. I'd say so. I think um, teams realize, all right, you know, that's the Seahawks. You know, Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're still trying to improve on a lot of things, and we're going to. And you know, I think teams respect us as you know, as we respect all the teams that we play. But you know, I think knowing that you're playing the Seahawks, you know, you gotta team that's gonna come in and they're gonna play hard, you know, to the very last whistle, they're not gonna stop. He's gonna, you know, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They wanna stop the run. You know, it's just the identity that we've, you know, decided to have as a team and that's what we do. For sure. So so fans, make
0: sure you go to his Twitter page at Gary underscore Gilliam. Same thing on Instagram, Gary underscore Gilliam and support all the great things going on with Gary Gilliam. Let me ask you this before we get out of here. Marshawn Lynch is no longer in Seattle, you know, Christian Michael, Thomas Rawls, you know, all the running backs there in Seattle. Do you feel like you, you guys have replaced Marshawn to this point?
1: You know, it's it's tough to replace a guy like Marshawn, you know, not just what he does in the field, which is amazing in and of itself, but, you know, just the leadership that he has, you know, his his aura, just, you know, his presence being there, um, you know, it's it's almost impossible to replace something like that. Um but, you know, in terms of the football team, we're going to do our best to, to replace them on the field. And, you know, the guys that we have are definitely capable of doing so. And I think they are proven that. Gary,
0: pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Take care.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Gary Gilliam, pleasure talking to him. Wish him nothing but the best of luck moving forward. The Seattle Seahawks, a team that I had going to the Super Bowl this year, you know, seems like they do have that swagger back. It, it seems like this is a team that that really is is getting themselves getting their legs, if you will. Defensively they're balling out. You know, getting it done on the defensive end. And you know, obviously Russell Wilson, you want to keep him healthy. You want to most definitely keep him healthy. And and hopefully, you know, you can try to keep Russell Wilson healthy. You can keep him healthy, man. You can keep him healthy, and you know try to, you know make sure he's okay. But you want to keep that health because he's important. I mean, if he's not healthy, you really are not going to win. Just not going to happen. But let's um, let's go to the uh, Dallas Cowboys for example for a second. Uh, Dak Prescott, obviously playing some big time football. For the Dallas Cowboys, one of the reasons the Dallas Cowboys at this point of the season are three and one. Granted, I look at the Cowboys and who they beat. It's not that impressive. It's not all that impressive at all. It's not really impressive at all. But this is a team, and Dak Prescott. Uh, what this is a team with Dak Prescott as the quarterback. You know, Ezekiel Elliott as the running back. Big time back, Ezekiel Elliott. That's what he is. He's big time. He's a, he, he could be something special. But Dak Prescott, I mean, he played big time in the preseason, and everybody, including myself, kept saying, you know, let's see what happens once you know. There's some game plans going, game planning going on. You know, let, let, let's see what happens after teams get a little tape on this guy. Let's see what happens. Well, I, I look at Dak Prescott and the one thing that sticks out to me is the zero interception just like Carson Wentz i mean the rookie quarterbacks are not supposed to do this i mean they're supposed to make some mistakes they are supposed to make some mistakes but i will say this and I, and, I, and you wonder i mean if the Cowboys are 6 and 2 7 and 1 by the time romo comes back which possibly could happen on, you know, which possibly could happen week eight. It's a tough decision because if they're rolling and Dak is rolling, playing some good football, do you make that change? I mean, Tony Romo has been busted up, banged up and injured over the past two seasons. I mean, do you do do that or you just keep this thing rolling with, with Prescott? it's a tough call because if you feel like, I mean, a healthy Tony Romo is a, is a, is a big time quarterback. I believe you're not going to do much worse or much better than Tony Romo. I should say, you're not going to do much better than Tony Romo. I mean, Tony Romo's big time. He's a decent quarterback. The numbers show that when healthy. So if you're the Cowboys and you feel like, you know what, even though we're winning, we're winning. And I know Dak Prescott has has not turned the football over, so on and so forth. But at the same time, if you feel like you can get just a little bit more of that out of that offense with Ezekiel Elliott, Whitten, and Des Bryant, if you feel like you can get a little more out of that offense, then I think you have to go back to to Tony Romo. But I'm at some point, you gotta turn the page. At some point, the page has to be turned. At some point, you got to hand this franchise over to somebody else. Tony Romo is 36 years old and been beat up to, over the past two years. Beat up over the past two years. So it's, it's a tough call because if you feel like today Tony Romo gives you the best opportunity to win football games, then I guess you do have to put him in with the thought process that maybe you see how Romo does and then you go back to Prescott next season and you turn the whole team over to Prescott next season. Or you could go with the process that this is Dak's team at this point. He's our quarterback of the future. Let's ride out with Dak and, and, and let him do what he do. Let this thing grow with Dak and, and, and Dez and, and Ezekiel Elliott. Let it grow. Let it go. Let's see what happens. But I will say this, 2014, Tony Romo went completely healthy, 34 touchdowns, only nine picks, a a quarterback rating of 113. 2013, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 96 QB rating. So Tony Romo went healthy, has proven to be able to get it done. He shown that he can get it done. Went out. So it's a tough call. It's a tough call. I mean, obviously, I'll put it to you this. I'll put it to you this way. If the Cowboys are 7-1, there's no way Dak Prescott sits down. You can't. Not at 7-1. 6-2? I think you almost have to still continue with Prescott. Unless you feel without the shadow of a doubt, there's that is there that I can talk, but there's no way, without a shadow of a doubt. There's no if you believe there's no way. Well, if if you believe that Tony Romo makes you better, if you believe without the shadow of a doubt that Tony Romo makes you better, then you gotta stay with you gotta go to Tony Romo. Six and two seven to one, you stick with that. Six and two, you stick with Dak. Five and three, you go to Romo. Just my opinion. Uh, I I, think that's what you got to do. But we'll see how. We'll see how this plays out. It's going to be interesting to see. I want to go back to the MLB playoffs. And um, I I know Bob Costas threw this idea out as well. But I mean, I, I feel like the best way to fix. First and foremost, let me say this: AL and NL wild card games were exciting. I mean, big time pitching performances, you know, drama, and and, and you know, late innings. But big time pitching performance in the, in the Mets series or the Mets game, I should say, Bumgarner, uh, Syndergaard, you know, and then in the Toronto, you know, so you know, Buck Walter not going with his best guy and crucial situations, but, I mean, just big-time baseball. Big-time baseball, exciting baseball, fun baseball. But baseball is not about one game. That's not baseball. Baseball is not one game, obviously, unless it's a game seven, and then that's a totally, totally, a whole totally different animal. You know, extra inning fun in Toronto, pitching duel in New York, those were fun. Those were exciting. Those were interesting. But at that, ain't baseball. Baseball ain't one game. When the Mets and Phillies play, it's not a one-game set. It's a three-game set. When the Mets and Cubs play, it's not a one-game set. It's a three or four-game set. When the the, the the Blue Jays and the and, and the Yankees play, it's not a one-game set. It's a three or four-game set. So very simply. It should just be a three-game set at the home of the team with the better record. So in that situation, a three-game set in Toronto, a three-game set in New York. So obviously, if you are the better team with the better record, you have the advantage, with those three games. You have the advantage because you have it in your building for those three games. Three game set. It, to me, it's simple. Nice three game set. Don't get me wrong. Those one game is it, it, it's fun because it's one game is the finality of it all. You know, it, it's winner, winner, go home. And, you know, winner take all situation. It's it, it, it's just you're fighting for your lives. You're fighting for your life, and that's beautiful, man. That's what makes the March Madness so beautiful. The NCAA tournament. That's what makes that fun. That's what makes the NFL playoffs fun. That's what makes game sevens fun. Because it's it's the finality of it all. It's win or bye-bye. And that's fun. That's exciting. That's good. And in Toronto, what we saw in Toronto was fun, exciting, good. What we saw in New York, fun, exciting, good. But that ain't baseball, baseball is a game of a game of series, not just one game, unless it's a game seven. So to me,
1: it,
0: it rewards the wild card, the home wild card team, the, the team with the better record. It rewards the number one wild card team, and it also further rewards the division winner because it depletes that wild card team because they have to play at least two games and they're going to have to throw out their two best pitchers. And If they go three games, they're going to have to throw out throw out their three best pitchers. So if, that's two game, if, it, if they play at least two games, they're going to have to throw out their two best pitchers. If they play three games, they're going to have to throw out their three best pitchers, which depletes that team and gives even more of an advantage to The division winner. So it gives the division winner more of an advantage. And it further encourages teams to want to win their division. And they want to win it anyway. Because nobody wants to be in a situation where they have to play one game. That's not baseball, one game. It's a game of series. So let's play the series. Let's play the series. So let's fix it. Fix it, baseball. Fix it. Get it right. And, and, you know, make it better. Make it better. Because, I mean, it's fun. Like I said, it's exciting. But it could be better. And if you want to make it better, and I, I don't know, well, it doesn't make it better or does it cause I don't know if it necessarily makes it better from the standpoint you don't have that you know winning, win or go home situation, that finality, that excitement, the build up of just one game, one, 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 one game, you win, you go home, you win, you go on, you lose, you go home. I don't know. But do I think a three game set is more baseball like? Do so I think a three game set, you know, it's it's just better. But one game is fun too. I mean, we'll see what they do. Maybe you start the the, the season maybe a week earlier or something. You know, or, or you find something, you find some way to figure this thing out. Because the reality is this one game is is as as cool as it is, that sucks for the Mets if they're going home after one game with the better record. That sucks. You're the Orioles going home after one game, after playing 162. It sucks. So I don't know. But I I mean, we'll see if they fix it. I don't know if they're going to fix it anytime soon. Maybe I don't feel like it is a a, a thing that needs to be fixed. Maybe you're okay with it. Who knows? I want to also, you know, before we get out of here, no, we got another few minutes left before we get out of here. Um, You know, just looking at this NFL schedule coming up this weekend, you got the Eagles traveling to Detroit. And I will tell you this, Tom Brady is back. You know, we'll see if Carson Wentz can keep it going. You know, um, the Vikings are off to a 4-0 start. Big-time defense over there in New England. I mean, in Minnesota. Big-time defense in Denver. How about the Atlanta Falcons? 3-1. and one. I mean, just arena league-type numbers. An arena league-type performance by Matty Ice. I mean, dude, I had 500 yards, man, in, in one game. 500 yards. NFL defense gave five gave up 503 yards. Also a 300-yard wide receiver in Julio Jones in one game. My goodness. But Matty Ice right now is saying, you know what? I'm not done. I'm not done. Last year, I may have not been my best. year before, I was okay, but 2013, I was just okay as well. But I might be back. 11 touchdowns, two interceptions. Who's playing better quarterback? Who's playing the better at the quarterback position than Matty Ice? Not many. He is playing like, as Donovan McNabb said, he is playing like the best quarterback in football at this point. Matty Ice is getting it done. Ice Ice, baby. Too cold, too cold. But he's getting it done, man. He's playing some big-time football. Most definitely, but, you know, we'll see if Carson Wentz can keep it up in, in Philadelphia. We'll see what the Broncos can do, if they can keep their winning ways up. And and I just say at the beginning of the year, man, it doesn't. It may not even matter what quarterback they have in Denver because it wasn't like they got a lot of big-time production out of their quarterback position last year with Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler. So, you know, but Travis, Trevor Simeon's playing some pretty good football. How about the New York Jets now? You know, you you got your boy Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, interception machine at this point. He is who we thought he was. He is who we thought he was. Four touchdowns, ten interceptions. Maybe there's a good reason why they waited so long to sign him, and they didn't want to give him a bunch of money. He he did end up getting $12 Maybe there's a good reason why some other teams around the league had a level of reluctance in terms of offering him big money. He is who he is. You know, he's he's kind of a gunslinger. But not in a good way. I mean, you look at last year. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll give you some performances here, there, everywhere. You know, give you some games like he did in Buffalo. Got him some money like he did with the Jets. Got him some money. He's a limited quarterback. And 31 touchdowns last year. He was big time, put up big time numbers, almost 4,000 yards. One of the reasons the Jets almost made the playoffs, but he was the reason they ultimately missed the playoffs because he stunk in that final game against the Buffalo Bills. And this, this year so far, 10 picks at this point of the season. Not very good. Six picks against the Chiefs, another three against the, uh, the Seahawks. So. He's struggling. And so at some point, you got to think about Geno Smith. you got to think about giving Geno Smith one more shot. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, with these type of interception numbers, what, nine interceptions in the last two weeks? That's costing your team football games, and that's costing your team opportunities to win football games. Granted that the Jets' defense wasn't that great against the Seahawks, but their offense was even worse and put him in bad positions, and just was not productive. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has not been productive, especially in that second half where Richard Sherman started to make some plays against Brandon Marshall. But we'll see what the Jets do. I, I want to thank – we're about to get out of here. I want to thank Gary Gilliam for stopping by. also a 3-1 start. Gary Gilliam is a part of that, and I want to thank him uh, for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blog, slash began, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItCamp. For everybody here at Go For it. we hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care.